The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. We're in our 15th year here and very excited. We're also rebroadcasting on Saturdays at 3 for our WPRO listeners, so you can still catch this incredible show with my wonderful guest that I have on every other month and several times a year who's been on my show on Pro and now is with us on Voice America. Her name is Paula A. Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Companies which is an international innovator of bakery products. They make all of the fast food desserts for Walmart, uh, as, as well as McDonald's. They've been with McDonald's for many, many years. She's also the author of five books, including Sweetest Pie, Tough as Nails, Finding the Soul of Big Business, and The Executive Entrepreneur. And the, the Bama Pie story really started in the kitchen of her grandmother, Cornelia, Alabama, Bama Marshall in 1927. And they're in their 80, 82nd or 83rd year. Welcome, Paula. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. being here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Paula is the CEO of the Bama Companies. She provides strategic leadership and direction to the entire organization. Her vision stands as a beacon for Bama team members, inspiring the organization to achieve the mission, which is people helping people to be successful. And that has been Paula's motto, and that's one of the reasons I've been so excited to have her on the show all these years, because she really cares about people, and her people love working there. We need more companies like this. Paula assumed the responsibility as CEO of the Bama Companies in 1984. Now it's Bama Pie, Bama Foods, Bama Frozen Dough, Beijing Bama, and Bama Europa. And they have a variety of chains to uh, many uh, fast food chains and casual restaurants. Welcome again. So, Paula, you know, one of the things we've talked about before on the other program is how your father, you started this company, it started on your grandmother's kitchen table, but your father then led the company before you, and he had the relationship with Ray Kroc, who really took over McDonald's, correct, from the McDonald brothers? Yes, yes, and uh, it's it's now it's a little bit more relevant to talk about Mr. Kroc because there was just a movie yes, uh, called The Founder it. that was put out about his uh, his growth and how McDonald's came to be and what fortitude it took and determination and, and how he had to be tough and change some things and push uh, for his dream and his vision. So it's a great, it's a great movie about, uh, you know, vision and determination and what it takes to build a global company yeah. from literally from scratch, from one yeah. restaurant in Northern California. 
Did your father know him at the beginning when McDonald's was just starting? Yes. Yes. My father made a cold call <clears throat> on Ray Kroc in um, 1963. And wow. uh, went up to the uh, to the chain and knocked on the door and had pies in his trunk, which my father was trying to uh, make a change, transform our business, which was fresh route delivery and local, to a frozen food company that had distribution all over the country. And mm-hmm. he never dreamed of global, but he did dream of, of a, a business that had a, a product that could be baked in a, in a store environment. Um, because my dad was a restaurant guy and not so much a grocery guy, but a restaurant guy, he wanted to develop a handheld dessert um, that could be eaten, eaten in a car. So he had been working on this and <clears throat> he only had an eighth grade education. My mom had a high school education, and mm. he worked with local restaurateurs to come up with a pastry that, you know, we could freeze, and then we could reconstitute it in a fryer and all kinds of stuff. That was back in the early 60s when frozen food was just starting to come out. So mm. my dad was a kind of a trend leader and a, and a you know, innovator, and, and he met up with Ray, who was definitely a trend leader and an innovator, and Together, they created this uh, global, you know, along with, there were a handful of other suppliers that helped mm-hmm. Ray develop this global company. So What's, what's amazing, though, around. Paula, <laughs> is that McDonald's is still with you. I mean, that's, that to me is amazing in today's world where things yeah. change and so there rapidly. Are, there are no contracts. It's a, hand, a handshake agreement. Wow. And we wow. do make, make all the pies uh, globally. So that's another Still, so we still are the single source of pies um, for them, uh, you know, around the world. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, a very unique story, very interesting, and and it, it doesn't involve a lot of legal contracts, but there is a moral commitment to mm-hmm. each other, and mm-hmm. McDonald's has always treated it as such. Uh, uh, Paula, why? Why do you think it has worked? I mean, what would be the ingredients in this pie <laughs> that is made of work? <laughs> well, I think it's trust. I mean, there's no other company that we work with in a handshake agreement. Um, most of the organizations we work with develop contracts that are, you know, three inches thick and, you know, uh, prescribed for every single possible uh, outcome that can possibly be on in a legal, you know, that would stand up in a court of law. And our relationship with McDonald's has always been about handshakes and, and moral, um, you know, heart-based uh, agreements. And that came along way before I did. That was Mr. Croc's philosophy. That was Fred Turner's philosophy. And mm-hmm. that's the way McDonald's still runs today. There are no supplier contracts in McDonald's. It's all mm-hmm. conversations, trust, uh, you know, built on the good for the business, what's good for the business, you know, is good for McDonald's. And, they still deal with a lot of their same suppliers that they've had for the last, you know, 50 years. So um, when they need to make change, when they need to make change within their organization, it happens very quickly and they don't have to have a lot of committee, committees to put together the changes. They're dealing with the CEOs and guys that they've known for 50 years and or their kids like me in my dad's case. Yeah. Um, so they don't have to spend a lot of time in committees convincing these companies to do stuff. It it, it helps them strategically with their marketplace and, and with their consumers. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's the key. So, Paula, give us an example of what happens. And and I'm going to use McDonald's because you have such a good relationship. When something mm-hmm. goes wrong, which I mean, in all these years, something's gone wrong. You know, what do you do? I mean, do you immediately fix it and then call them? Do you call them first? How do you handle a major problem? Well, one of the philosophies we've developed over the years with McDonald's is, is a system of no surprises, we call it. So no surprises. So we're very open. We're very transparent. When something happens, um, we call. We, we post up with them any process changes. Uh, we sit down every year and go through supplier changes, crop changes, and the flour and the ingredients. We work with them hand-in-hand on consumer research. Um, We have a new pie out in the market right now, which I would encourage everyone to try. Um, It's a a newly redesigned, reformulated apple pie with, uh, Mm. you know, all the corn sweetener taken out, uh, salt reduction, you know, fat, you know, replacements with with butter and things like that. So it's a re-engineered product that we would work with them directly on. Um, to develop a more um, consumer-friendly, um, high-quality consumer-friendly product. And that's, that's something that we would never do in isolation without them, you know, present in all the discussions and, and with their chefs and with their marketing people and with their research yeah. people. Um, everything's done in, in a coordinated effort. And yeah. we don't surprise them. So... Anything we do has a lot of conversation built around it, has a lot of timeline built into getting their involvement, getting their buy-in, and we don't make changes without them at the table. Yeah, which is which is so important. But I think also today, yeah, as you said, people are demanding, Paula, healthier, right? They, they, yes. want, they yes. want things without preservatives and chemicals. They're asking for that. Right. But if you, if you look at companies that make huge mistakes today... Mostly it's because they tried to keep something under wraps. And then when somebody doesn't talk about something, that makes the media go into a frenzy and it makes them want to go find out what's really going on because they think there's some kind of cover-up. So if you approach these companies from that basis and from a system of no surprises or a system of, you know, open and honest, um, and it, it, it makes all the difference because then people trust you because everyone makes mistakes. I mean, I found consumers will give companies the benefit of the doubt if they know that they're working on something and they came out and they were honest and they said, here's what we're trying to do, here's what we're trying to address, here's how we're trying to fix things for you and with you. And, and people will give, I mean, I don't know how many chances Chipotle has had from their consumer very loyal consumer base on all their food safety issues and their, their meat scares and, and it, it, mm. it, it kept happening for a couple of year period and they still have very loyal consumers because after they terminated the CEO who wouldn't talk and wouldn't open up, they, they brought in a CEO who does talk and who does open up and they have much more open relations now with their consumers and so their consumers have come back and they're they trust that they are telling them the truth and that they are trying their best to fix the issues. So so and don't so, you think that but think what you're talking about is is a don't you think that this is a basic premise in really having good customer client relations or any relationship? You know, I, I mean it's we, we so many premise. times sugarcoat it. Right. And hide it. 
I mean, we either sugarcoat it or we try to hide it, period, just hide it and not not openly discuss things. But when there's consumers involved, when there's a brand like McDonald's, I how I view this is I work for them. I'm working for their brand. I'm working for their right. brand safety and right. their brand trust. Right. So anything that happens here affects them. So we yeah. have a lot of open dialogue with them about, about all these kinds of things. You know, it's interesting you say that because that's how I feel about all the interviews I've done over the years. I've always felt like I'm, I'm in this to, on your behalf. I want to make, I want you to be able to present yourself in the best light. Now, not every broadcaster does that, as you know. It's more their show, oh, their yeah. view. Right. They want they want yeah. you to fit in with their. But that's not that's not what I do. And I think that it's right. I like it because it allows you to really, you know, to really share who you are and and um, authentically work with the audience. Well, when people trust you, Patricia, as you know, you're going to get more of the straight scoop and the deeper story that's usually there. Like, you know, if you don't trust the person who you're dealing with you're going to tend to be more guarded and you're going to give them the vanilla, what I call the plain vanilla, down the line, basic story of whatever it is. And that is a big miss in my mind because you're missing the deeper stories and the deeper input there. And the deeper part is often what I find people are more interested in hearing about because that's where they can learn. They can get the plain vanilla from the newspapers and from the press. They don't need to get that from me. They're talking to me because they want the deeper information and the insights so they can learn from that. And that's what you're trying to provide. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think the reason that they don't is because people don't tell the truth or they cover it up or they sugarcoat it is because they don't want to lose you and they're afraid if they become vulnerable, right, Paula, that, that you, they yeah. might lose you. But what they don't realize is they'll, they'll lose you if they behave that way because Somehow the truth will come out anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, they'll lose you anyway. That's what a lot of people don't understand, Patricia, is you're going to lose them anyway. So, I mean, in our industry just recently, um, Papa John's, you know, we do a lot of pizza. Um, we have a big pizza business. And we make a lot of really great crafts for different customers. And, you know, recently the, the head of Papa John's um, was removed because yeah, of some I saw public that. relations. Yeah, I saw that. And his feeling and his views, while maybe his own, he is representing a public company with right. all kinds of consumers. And right. for a person to be sitting at the top of a company that has those views about a sector of people that are probably some of his largest consumers mm-hmm. is unacceptable. Right. Well, so, for, just for know, our listener, just fall. for yeah, just for our listeners, and it just just came out. I think he used the N word, right? In about um, you know, about African Americans. I think he used that, and that and that's what got him out. Correct? Yes, and it was the continuing unrecognition, or his being able, to, uh-huh. unwilling, or unable to recognize on several occasions when he'd been warned by their public relations firm because it started last uh-huh. year with the problems that Papa John's had with the NFL, with the National Football League. Uh-huh. Okay. And he had slandered on a public interview um, the African-American players and said that they were hurting the league and that, that they shouldn't be doing this and that ultimately they were hurting Papa John's. So he needed them all to kind of shape up and stop 
you know, doing their thing. Well, that gravitated to some meetings with his public relations firm, who then, I guess, in a private interview, but they've recorded it, um, told of his real views of African Americans. Mm-hmm. And mm. so that was then released publicly. Uh, and so why would that be important? To your point, Patricia, in an interview format, you know, you want to know that you're, you're the presidents of these large chains, these large consumer brands, don't have those kind of views. Right. It's just not acceptable in today's world. Or, because if, or if they do, they shouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> they should keep it right. Well, they shouldn't be, but the chances are th- yeah. those kind of people are going to get rooted out ultimately anyway because privately yeah. everyone knows how they feel. Yes. And yep. probably a lot of people in that company don't like that. Yeah. yeah. So but you know, Paul, it's probably but you know, good that when it you came out. You and I, when you say this to me, and I know you feel this way too, you think, what was he thinking? I mean, isn't that common sense to you and to me that you wouldn't do that? Doesn't that seem like just common sense, the average person? It does, but I'll tell you, guys, sometimes we who are in these positions think that we're above, Mm -hmm. you know, respect and about that, that we are so used to being kowtowed to and having people jump around and do what we want that we lose that sensitivity to what others are thinking, what others are feeling. So you would have thought, yes, that the sensitivity to I'm a CEO of a public company, a lot of my consumers are African Americans. I need to get myself straight with these views I have about African Americans. But he never did because no one ever confronted him until the public relations company did. So, you know, at some point we all have to do what's right. And there's a right and a wrong and there's a time and a place. And and that kind of behavior is just not acceptable in corporate America these days. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are talking to the amazing Paula A. Marshall. She is the chief executive officer of Bama Industries, and they make all of the fast food desserts and apple pies for McDonald's, Walmart, many fast food chains. They're in their 82nd year. And we'll be talking to her more about... um, you know, what What are good customer-client relations? And also, one of her books, which I love, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. And then one of the other books that she has is The Executive Entrepreneur, but she has several. So we'll be talking more to Paula about her insights about, you know, how can we make the world a better place in big business? All right, folks, stay tuned. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on Voice America. You can hear the show again on Saturday at 3 p.m. with Paula A. Marshall. And uh, we're excited to be here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Paula. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? 
What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and we are back and we are talking with Paula A. Marshall, who is the CEO of Bama Companies. And they make all of the fast food desserts for McDonald's and Walmart and many fast food chains around the country. They're in their 82nd or 83rd year. They started on her grandmother's kitchen table in 1927. And her father worked with Ray Kroc for McDonald's and was one of the first people on board with McDonald's. So it's very exciting. It's, it's a wonderful company. The employees love it. And... Paula and I have been doing interviews for probably seven or eight years. Welcome back, Paula. So, Thank you very much. Happy to so be here. Are, yeah, are you, is this your 82nd year or your 83rd year? Uh, this would be our 83rd year. Wow. Wow. You had a big, I remember you had a big, big celebration. Yeah. Yes, we did. We did. Yeah. We had a year-long celebration and got our team members involved and had cakes and, and celebrations in Tulsa and you know, ribbon cuttings combined because we were opening a new a new facility and so it was a, a really big year last year. We really really did it upright. 
That's wonderful. All right. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about, we've been talking about client relationships, keeping clients and customers happy. And, you know, you're both a customer and you're a client. So I found an article. um, Actually, let's see. It was in Entrepreneur Magazine, a couple of years old, but it was all about ways to keep your clients happy, happier and happier. And Mm -hmm. let's just look at a couple of them. One is calling your clients regularly. I mean, that seems to be a no-brainer, but, you know, many people don't follow up. That's true. That is very true. I found certain professions are worse at it and certain professions are, are really good. But I think a lot of times when companies are trying to sell you stuff, they have a great, you know, a new business, they have a salesperson all geared up to answer any questions and do what you need. But then they fall down on the service aspect, the service part of running a, uh, running a relationship. And so, you know, we don't differentiate. We have our business development people are also our customer service people that go through all aspects of the relationship. And we want them to spend the time and do what needs to be done with clients. It's, it's, it's not a separated deal. But I find in companies, doctor's offices, lawyers, a lot of times they don't follow up very well. As long as you're working on a project and you're in direct communication, they've got business flowing in from it. But when something doesn't work right, you know, home builders, plumbers, electricians, I mean, you name it, how much time do we spend on the phone trying to get them to come back and fix something that doesn't work? Mm-hmm. And it's very, very, very frustrating, and it's, it's bad for business. Yeah, and I and I and I think those small things about staying in touch with the client, showing you care, goes miles. I mean, it will keep me coming back. Don't you think, Paula? That's exactly right. What what I try to talk to people about when I make talks is I talk to these small business owners about the cost of regenerating new customers all the time mm-hmm. versus customer retention, and mm-hmm. it takes so much little effort to retain someone especially when things are going well, just to check in every month or so. I have a, I've moved my financial, uh, you know, my retirement and my savings accounts around different places because I wanted my financial guys to follow up with me. And I finally have a firm that does a wonderful job of it. Every month they're in touch. They call. It's not that they have the money and they're just investing it and I never hear from them. They're calling. They're sending me how my portfolio is doing. They're regularly in touch. And that's, what I've been wanting for all these years, but I had to move several different times to several different, um, you know, account managers because they just didn't do it. I found that too. I found that. And I found it with financial people. You're right. And, and like you said, you just want to know because the market changes, things fluctuate, government rules change. You just want to know, you know, am I okay? Absolutely. And they don't see it as, you know, they see it as, well, I'm going to be, ma- I've got your account now, I'm going to be managing, making all those fees. That That's part of ongoing why we pay the fees, right? Exactly. But what becomes a problem is when they don't follow up and they just look at it as fee generation and then you're always seeing them at the tennis court or the golf course. And, you know, you become a little resentful because you think, well, I only ever see you out here, you know, in recreational mode. Um, I'd like to see you, you know, in the office with some of my people talking about my whole entire portfolio. 
And so, so I finally found somebody that's doing that, and it's it's yeah. wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. wonderful. So important. But like I said, I had to go through about seven or eight or nine firms before I wow. found the one that would do it. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of people to go through. That's amazing. It is, and a lot yeah. of time on my part trying to keep, you know, looking for the right one. So, yeah. you know, it's just a lesson to small business people that it takes so little time. It takes maybe an hour or two a month for him to come out. And then we're done until the next month. I mean, what 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 is the reason that most small businesses don't follow up, you know, when it takes so little time? Exactly. I think it's because most of them are firefighting um, and mm-hmm. they don't have their, their processes and their company set up as a system mm-hmm. so they don't have continuous improvement and they're always firefighting. Exactly. Uh, here's another one, Paula. Be realistic and do not overpromise. You talked about that at the beginning of the interview today in terms of being transparent, being realistic. But I think don't mm-hmm. overpromise, I think, is really key. Talk about that one. Yeah, well, overpromising to me and then not delivering. So it's one thing to promise and deliver, but it's one thing to say all the things you can do and then not deliver. It breaks the trust. So we were talking for 15 minutes earlier about the trust bond between a client and a customer or a customer like McDonald's and myself. <clears throat> trust is everything. So mm. they don't have contracts, as I told you, because trust is 10 times bigger. My dad used to say to me, if I shake someone's hand like Ray and Fred and I look them in the eye and we have a relationship and a bond, it's so much harder for them to leave Mm-hmm. than if we have just negotiated a big contract because sometimes people look for ways to break the contract and there's always a way to break the contract. So in in the form of promising and not delivering, it's a break of a trust. It's a break of a commitment. It's mm-hmm. lack of covey seven habits, you know, do what you say, be proactive. You know, all of those things are part of the seven habits of highly effective people. So mm-hmm. you, 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 you won't get more business as you try to grow your company. Your reputation will precede you, and so, you will literally not be able to grow your company because everyone will say, well, they don't do what they promise. Right. So and now, I think, today, with social media and Facebook and all the places where people yeah. can write things. Mm. Oh, it's so transparent. I know. It is. Another one. Value your client's point of view. Now, you know, that can be difficult, but you have to, even if they have an opposing view to yours. You can't say that's wrong, I don't like it, correct? Talk about, now I'm sure in with all your business dealings, even with McDonald's, they've often had a point of view that you didn't have. How did you work through that? Well, you know, it's like... um, it's like my dad used to have a little sign in his office saying, the customer's always right. If you forget this rule, look at rule number two, and then it's the customer's <laughs> always right. You know, it, at some point, which we do, we do have disagreements. We do talk openly. Sometimes they don't like it, and sometimes they say, well, I'd rather you not come up and bring all this up to me. But we do a lot of research. We have a lot of things, that fa- a lot of facts, and a lot of things that are going on with their consumers that sometimes we feel like they need to know. And we go, we go forward and we tell them. But at the end, it's their decision, you know, and they are working within their own organizations to, to accomplish their goals the way they feel that they need to. So all I can do, Patricia, is learn 
be diligent, inform, and then I have to be willing to step away from 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 my convictions if if I don't want to lose that customer. If I want to lose the customer, if I want to leave the customer, um, like we have with some of the customers that we've been talking about today, um, because I had a philosophical issue with yes. how they operate yeah. and manage their company, then um, I you know you have to go. You have to you have to leave because you can't you can't work against your convictions and your your inner heart. Another one is become an authority in your field. And I think for me I would translate that into keeping up so you really know your material. Particularly if you're going to argue a point. You really have to know the facts. Talk about that one. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, being an expert in your field is part of what someone you know, calls on us and wants us to provide for them. So in the world of McDonald's that we've been talking about today, I'm, I'm their expert. You know, they don't, they don't know about what I do every day. I study the market. I know the consumer trends. I know what people are eating. It's my job to bring all that to them mm. and then bring them products that fit into that, <clears throat> that centerpiece. So they don't expect to be the experts in the pies. They expect me to do that. So that's the value that I add. That's the value I add in pizza. That's the value I right. add in frozen bread. Of course. Those are the values that we add because they don't, they don't, they can't be, you know, um, all knowing in every single aspect of their business. That's what yeah. they have us for. Yeah. On, on a side, what, what do you see for the future, Paula, with trends in the fast food industry, particularly in your business? I mean, you're saying you're already you know, taking out preservatives and you're making things without trans fats and you're bringing in more natural products. What, what do you see in the future, in the next five or ten years? Well, I think we're moving slowly, but in some sectors, you know, more rapidly than others. But I think we're moving to more plant-based foods. Yes. I think the yes. world is full of people looking around for, you know, high protein, but yet not necessarily an animal product. Right. Um, and I think we're going to have to, to um, you know, rely on sustainability and more, you know, better treatment of our planet and water and yeah. and waste and refuse. And, I mean, there are huge opportunities in, in uh, you know, in environmental areas, mm-hmm. in sustainability, in treatment of people and helping people more with their problems and being more of a, you know, a, a business being good for the planet, business being a force for good in the, in the world, mm-hmm. rather than the other way around where business was seen as the evil, you know, mongrel yeah, that took everything from everybody. Yeah, yeah, so I have to. We're going yeah, to have to be, make that transition. Yeah, I have two examples of that. One is Dan Butner, who I interviewed recently, who wrote the book, The Blue Zones. He's a National Geographic person, and he traveled around the world and found the five healthiest places in the world where people were the healthiest and lived the longest. And what he found is... Yes, I read is, that book, Patricia. It's amazing. And you know what? They eat a plant-based diet. They eat a plant-based yeah. diet, Paula. A little bit of fish, but a plant-based diet. So it's pretty amazing. The other thing, based on what you just said, I was amazed. Last night, I watched on 60 Minutes. If anybody should look at this, it was on, so let me see, that would have been July 15th, 2018. 60 Minutes did a whole thing about sea vegetables and seaweed and how they are now doing sea farming. 
So fishermen are becoming farmers and they are cultivating mm-hmm. and they're taking and they're growing seaweed and they're turning it into kelp. And, you know, they're, they're, they're using it as food, as fuel. I mean, they're just doing so much with it. And they really see that as a way of the future of farming the ocean instead of just taking from the ocean and depleting it. So it was yeah. fascinating. Well, yeah, and you know, I do a fair amount of fishing too, and it's that's right. You know, the amount, the amount of, I mean, I just, and we're also, uh, we have a lot of business in Europe, and for example, the Europeans have banned straws. There's no more plastic straws. It and and that will happen, I think, here in the U.S. In Hawaii, there's no more plastic straws. They're all paper now, so the industry is going to be pushed. Plastic bottles, biodegradable. I mean, these things are floating around in the ocean. There's, there's pictures of mountains of plastic bottles that are at the bottom, you know, bottom of the ocean, non-biodegradable aluminum cans and things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, and the fact that people are thinking more today about environmental, sustainable, zero yeah. waste to landfill. I mean, all of my major customers have sustainability goals and that's why we became a B Corp last year was because we wanted to wrap sustainability around everything we do which includes people their treatment the community good for the community good for the team members that work here um, good for our suppliers good for everybody and making business a force for good is a B Corp initiative so you know this is something that over the next few years more and more and more consumers will become activists around how business operates. And I think it just couldn't be more welcome from, from my standpoint. I think that's great wonderful. Opportunity. You know, great another thing when, another thing when you talk about sustainability with employees, not just with you know, not just with the environment, is you know, now we have automation coming down the pike. You see it in your own business yes. where, you know, the mm-hmm. person doesn't have to flip the pizza or doesn't have to necessarily stand on the assembly line. And that's wonderful. How does that how do you help your employees and sustain them through the automation, Paula? Well, obviously, training, Patricia, training is critical. So we have a very um, robust on-the-job training system. All of our new team members get new employee orientation with us for two days. Um, They learn all of our philosophies, our business, how we practice our business. But still, Patricia, we have about 30% turnover in our facilities because manufacturing is just not sexy to people. It's just something that, you know... I'd rather go work in a mall and be able to have my headset on while people are trying to shop, you know, so I don't really want to act, interact with customers. Mm. So we have a very robust training program. We have to have um, people need to understand we're a food company, that food safety is number one. And we don't, you know, we don't quibble about that. And we also don't quibble about treating them with respect and dignity and that we're all a family. So all of our pay systems, all of our comp and benefits, all of our development programs are all designed to be, you know, continuous improvement with Dr. Deming and and use the tools that we've learned from Dr. Deming to treat people with respect and dignity. Mm. And that's going to be the wave of the future because the younger people, the millennials, do not want to work for companies that don't do this. Right. What about it, what about a person, Paula, who's been in your company for years, who has worked on the assembly line, if you will, the you know, and now that position is automated. Then do you bring that person out and put them in another position? Yes. Yes, they can. 
they can apply for the robotics positions. They can go into the training programs. We have lots of people who do. But there are some of our older team members that just, they say, no, I'm not willing to learn anything new, and I'm just going to work a couple more years, and I just want to retire. And we work with them to be in a non-automated position until Mm. they can retire. But it does happen, and we do have those conversations, and they're very robust. That we can't back away from, you know, robots and going towards the future because that is the way, that is the way it's going. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to save so much time, right? And accuracy. Isn't it more accurate? Well, the, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that the people anymore, the new, you know, the, the younger guys don't want to do this just rote packing, putting things in boxes for eight hours. And I have to say, I don't blame them. So Me it's too. not a challenging yeah. mental job. It's not. It's challenging physically, but not mentally. And so it's a. It's something that they don't have a desire to even do. So we have. We have to fix that if we want to be, you know, regarded as an employer of mm-hmm. choice. But we also, you know, we want to provide the training. We want to provide them an opportunity to do it if they want to. Yeah, if it doesn't work great. out, then we have other options and, and uh, you know, we'll help them go to some, some different occupation if that's what they want to do. Yeah. So we have a couple minutes left, Paula. What would you say to someone, you know, listening to this interview who, you know, may feel like they want to move up in their company or they might want to try something else? What would be some, what would be some advice you'd give them? Well, now, we start every one of these conversations, Patricia, with the same thing, which is develop your personal mission statement. So yeah. if you don't have a personal mission statement, buy, buy Stephen Covey's book um, about personal missions and time management. Um, and it's, it's based on the Covey principle, begin with the end in mind. And it yep. is, it's, it's a very wonderful read, and it also teaches you how to develop a personal mission statement. If you know where you're going in life, if you know what your future compass says, if you know exactly where you want to be in five years, you need to write that down, and that needs to be your mission every day to accomplish that. And then you won't get sidetracked with all these different things that we all get distracted with. Mm -hmm. You know, from sitting on the Facebook for five hours a day and accomplishing nothing, if you have a personal mission, you will not allow yourself to be dragged into five hours of Facebook every day with no purpose. So you've got to manage your time and manage your way and manage, you know, where you want to be in life. And the only way to do that is develop your personal mission, write it down, put it somewhere where you see it every day, your personal goals, and work your goals every day. And don't waste time on stuff like, you know, surfing the Internet and just, you know, reading stuff that isn't going to help you progress. Get yourself educated. Learn where you want to be. Go towards that career path. Get your education and training. And then, and then go for it. You know, I'm not a person who advocates someone staying in a job that they don't like or that doesn't fulfill them. Um, I help people at Bama all the time when they come in to tell me how sad they are that they don't like it or whatever. And I'm like, let's help you get somewhere else where you can be happy. And mm-hmm. it, it's not a fear-filled discussion. I don't want people to be fear-filled about, about their career at Bama. If this isn't the right place for them, then I want to help them go somewhere else. Because you're, you're more productive if you're happier, correct? 
Absolutely, absolutely, Patricia. Not no question about it. It's it's the only way to live. Is living your personal passion and living what makes you happy and living what makes you get up in the morning. I mean, just like you, Patricia, you could have gone and done a you know news on six with ABC or whoever, <laughs> but you did not want to pursue that because you wanted to be positive. Yeah, and you knew you were going to have to compromise your values if you went to work at one of those big stations. So you yeah. stayed on your path, and you're you're truly happier for it. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that's a great testament to everyone out there. You know, mm, me, I've you. done the same thing. I've been a, a woman in a man's world. I've been running a, a global business, which there's less than 100 women executives in the world doing this. Mm, mm. But... I, it's what makes me get up every day because I yeah. know I have the ability to influence people and their passion and their growth and their development mm-hmm. and their, their their training and their volunteerism and mm-hmm. their spiritual life and, and, and everything else. So yeah. it's one of those things where you have to find your place. And yeah. I'm, I believe in destiny. I believe God sends us all here with a place in mind. We just have to be open to listen to, to find yeah. it. Thank you so much, Paula. What a wonderful interview and what a wonderful closing. And I, I, I want to say, I, I mean, I've worked with you for years now, and I feel very honored to do so. To, you know, to, to meet a woman with such a vision and passion and who really, you really walk your talk. And I want to thank you. Well, <laughs> personally thank you. Thank you very much. And I <laughs> admire what you're doing, too. We talk about this all the time. I truly um, admire you, Patricia. Th- Thank you so much, Paula. All right. Well, listen, I'll look forward to having you on on again next month. And um, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Tune in on Saturday to the rebroadcast, which is at 3 p.m. You can use your app, and your app is Voice America Talk Radio. So you can, uh, and you can actually program your app to listen. It's also on voiceamerica.com, and it's on iTunes and Stitcher, podcasting, internet, and you can call in live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern. So we have it all. All right, folks, remember, stay healthy. Stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.